Welcome to TLDR Podcast. Welcome to episode number seven. Seven. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, should we or should I have a mask on? Probably not. Or on Twitch. I mean, whatever. But Alex and I, uh, we're together. We're here in Lake Tahoe. We're enjoying a little Better together. It's been good. I I do believe the rest of you guys were invited <laughs> yeah. and didn't show it didn't up. Happen. So we were hoping for everyone to be here, but you know, should happen. But then the hockey playoffs happen, you know. Um I see Eric and James, you guys are wearing the new TLDR hats. Um, $25 on a website, tldrpodcast.net. Uh, brand new website, guys. Check it out. Give us some feedback. That'd be awesome. We have a podcast section where it outlines every single one of our podcasts. We have an about us section where it gives bios about us, everybody except for trading as of right now. It's um, we also have an article good. section where we write articles. And right now, trading is the only article up there. It's about NHL and the CBA. If you guys want to look that up, that'd be pretty cool. It's a good read. And then uh, last but not least, we have a merchandise section, which you will find our hats. We only have 25 of them. We're selling 25. You're selling them for $25. Uh, get it before it goes out. Did yeah. you learn a lot, James? Well, they're hot. I did. What was the one thing you learned about making a website? What was the hardest thing? It takes a lot of time, man. Yeah. It takes a lot of time to what? learn everything. Yeah. Okay. All right, boys. Uh, we're going to jump right into this thing. Uh, James, we're going to be talking about the AFC North Division. In the NFL, James, go for it. All right, NFC North, guys. It was a pretty pathetic division last year. We're going to lead off with the Cincinnati Bengals. Last year, they were 2-14. and 14. They started a hot 0-11, which is the worst in team history. So good. Um, last year, A.J. Green got hurt. Andy Dalton lost his starting job in the first-round pick uh, from last year. Jonah Williams didn't play at all because of a shoulder injury. The coach by Zach Taylor in his first year of coaching. They were ranked 30 in total offense and 25 in total defense. Their weakness is everything. They're just a terrible team. Moving on is uh, Andy Dalton, Tyler Eifert, and Andrew Billings. They went to the draft, had the number one overall pick because they were the worst team, and they drafted Joe Burrow out of LSU. He pretty much had the best season statistically of any college quarterback ever. He threw 60 touchdowns and had six interceptions last year, which is insane. In the second round, they drafted T. Higgins, and then they picked up Logan Wilson in third, and Akeem Davis gathers a linebacker in the fourth. They also added DJ Reader from the, tight, or the Texans, Von Bell from the Saints, and two cornerbacks from the Vikings. My prediction is that next year they go 5-11. and 11. Joe Burrow is going to be tantalizing to watch as a whole. All eyes are going to be on him because he was the first overall pick, and he should have some success in his first NFL season. As a whole, he's going to be a decent QB. He's, he won't make very many mistakes, and he'll throw, I expect, north of 25 touchdown passes. As good as, as good as Burrow is, he'll be able to overcome the Bengals' offensive insufficiencies. The offensive line got a little better with the return of Jonah Williams and addition of Xavier Suofilo from the Cowboys, but the center on the right side of the line is pretty terrible. That's the bottom third of the league. Joe Mixon, I think, will have a little bit more success with that O-line, but it's still going to be a rough, rough year for him. And A.J. Green's back, but he has a big injury history, and he's 32 years old. Alex and Tyler, what do you guys think? Yeah, the Bengals are just one of these teams that just, they're never never good, and they just can't really figure it out. Um, honestly, I'm not really going to have faith in Bengals doing anything positive until they can prove to me that they can. Obviously, like J James, like you mentioned, Joe Burrow is going to be the focus of this team, um, but that's really all they got going for them. So I have been finishing at 4-12. and 12. Um, I really just – this organization just needs to figure it out. They have a lot to work on. Obviously, having a guy like Joe Burrow, he could possibly be the starting point to build this team around. 
Um, so we'll see how he does. I think that's going to be the, the biggest thing for them is how Joe Burrow does uh, this season. What about you, Alex? Um, I got him at 2-14. and 14. No, it's not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Zero faith right there, guys. Fourteen. Um, I, you know what? I don't know what A.J. Green can bring. He missed all of last season. He's, you know, getting up there. If he's healthy, maybe. Um, Joe Mixon, great. Um, I don't trust their defense that much. The division, I think, got – I mean, obviously the Ravens are going to be pretty good. I think the other division, who knows what those other two teams – uh, we talked about this on one of the earliest earlier podcasts about Joe Burrow. I said, I don't think he's going to be great in his first year, but he's going to learn. If anything, if you're a Bengals fan, just be pumped on Joe Burrow. Let it kind of go, you know, wait a season or two and see what happens. Fantasy-wise, Joe Burrow right now is going at 152 at QB number 16. Projecting a rookie QB is always really hard to do just because you don't know what they're going to bring. Um, he's being drafted before Big Ben right now, which is very weird to me because typically Big Ben is going to be a top eight quarterback when he's healthy. Trading, I know you know. I see you nodding your head. What do you think about that? Yeah, he had one sensational. We're talking about Joe Burrow here. I mean, he had one sensational year. Does everybody remember his year before? No. Yeah, because it wasn't good. <laughs> well, uh, so, so we're gonna we're gonna just go throw all of our eggs in in this basket as if he's gonna be you know the 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 fucking hero for the Bengals no I mean yes he's he's gonna be an improvement from what they had but come on come on come on come on come on moving on to Joe Mixon Joe Mixon's going pretty high he's only at 27 our running back number 13 um our consensus rankings had him at number nine but Tyler and Alex had him at seven and eight respectively so can you make an argument to have him higher than nine yeah I ranked him that high because of the usage rate um the Bengals don't have much else um other than aj green if he's healthy their wide receiver course pretty weak um i don't expect joe burrows to make a bunch of super deep throws right away there might be a bunch of a couple of check downs to joe mixon i think it's going to be burrows mixon is the the heart of that offense um so i'm gonna and mixon has skill he has talent to be better if he played on a if he played on a better team He'd probably be a top five running back in the league, so I'm going to give him a little bit of love. Um, we'll obviously we'll see what happens, but um, that's kind of my thoughts on Mixon for sure. Okay, now we'll move on to AJ Green and Tyler Boyd. AJ Green's going at 78, and Tyler Boyd's going to 83. This is a tough one because right now they're five picks apart. You you know what you're going to get with Boyd. He has a high floor, but a very 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 low ceiling. But and AJ Green, you have one of the best wide receivers in the league when he's healthy. So it's a high ceiling with an injury risk. So you don't know what you're going to get with that floor. Eric, would you rather have uh, A.J. Green or Tyler Boyd? I'd rather go with Boyd. He seems like he's going to be more consistent. Uh, And also just what Alex was kind of going off of that A.J. Green has started to fade away a little bit. He was injured most of last season. All of last season. Yeah, all of last season. It's kind of all up in the air with him. So I'm going with Boyd. He seems to be more consistent. Okay. Moving on to the Cleveland Browns in 2019, they were six and ten. They had a lot of high expectations that just weren't met. So they fired their head coach in Fetty Kitchens and also fired their GM Glenn Dorsey. They hired Kevin Stefanski. Uh, he was the Vikings offensive coordinator. Their weakness going into the draft and the offseason was a tackle position because their O-line was ranked number 23rd. Uh, they lost Joe Schobert, who is our leading tackler. 
They lost Christian Kirksey, Eric Murray, and Demarius Randall, who are they're both, both their starting safeties. They picked up Jedrick Willis in the first round of tackle. He's one of the best athletic tackles in the draft. He ran a 5.0540, which is extremely fast for somebody who weighs more than 200 pounds. It's kind of insane if you think about it. And they also picked up a safety in Grant Delpit in the second. Additionally, they spent a lot of money on the free agency free agents. They picked up Jack Coughlin from the Titans for $42 million, Austin Hooper from the Falcons, Andrew Billings from the Bengals, and um, Carl Joseph from the Raiders. They also picked up Case Keenum from the Vikings. My prediction is that they go 9-7 and seven this year. On paper, they're a really good and talented team, but the question is, can they put it together? I think that Kevin Stefanski is a much better, more mature coach than Freddie Kitchens will ever, will ever be, and I think that's going to help them buy into that system. Uh, they tackled their biggest weakness in tackle by signing Jack Coughlin, one of the best tackles in the league, and drafting Jedrick Willis. Overall, the offensive line will be a top 10 force. The entire offense as a whole takes a massive step forward this year with a better coach and leadership. Their biggest question mark is their defense, more specifically the linebacker position. Same Eric, what about you, man? <laughs> I, got, I got them at 9-7. and seven. Uh, I think this is the last chance for Baker Mayfield to show what he's worth. I think it's the last chance that Odell is going to even put trust into him and let him be his quarterback. Nick Chubb's going to grind it out, do what he does best. And, um, you know, let's see if Kareem Hunt can revive his career as well. They still got him uh, for that duo. And they got the new coach, like you said. And um, I think they're going to have a solid tight end duo with Hooper and Njoku. Or Joku. Somebody did the research. Well done, dude. Yeah, so I think that tight end duo is actually going to be kind of legit for them, and maybe that could take some pressure off for Odell to get open. And maybe Baker Mayfield can throw some touchdowns and not be such a jackass all the time. Talking about Baker Mayfield, is going at 162, oh. QB 21. So yeah, I have something to say it. about that one when you get a chance. Okay. Baker? Yeah. Okay. I'm actually going to ask you about it because he's going five picks before Kirk Cousins right now. And I know you were a big Kirk Cousins defender last episode. Yeah. So why would you draft Kirk Cousins over Baker Mayfield? Uh, let's see. Um, well, he wasn't his old cocky actor itself. He gave up 21 interceptions, second in the league. Uh, Baker may want to focus on football as opposed, and passing to his own teammates rather than ensuring that his progressive checks come into the mail. He also might want to see if progressive <laughs> will, give, will send an insurance policy on his footballs because the guy loses it more than Jack Sparrow does to loses his rum bottle. So here's the deal. Fuck Baker Mayfield. He's a fucking prick. I'm, there's no way I'm even going to have him on my team, even if he's in, even if he's a waiver wire. I think he's a piece of shit, and he needs to figure it out. And that's going on the Instagram, folks. Damn, tell me how you really feel. Yeah, okay. I, I, I literally, like, like seriously, the, the guy the, the guy seemed like he was way more focused on commercials. He, he's, he's kind of a, a, a shit a shitbag. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, moving on to the running backs here. Eric, this question is going to be directed at you. Um, so Nick Chubb is going at 19 and Kareem Hunt's going at 77. I have no doubt in my mind that Nick Chubb is, in, is a damn good running back, but I think he's going too high because like, it's, it's going to be a running back by committee. Um, we saw it last year. Before Kareem Hunt came back, Nick Chubb was running back six, but after Hunt came back, he drops running back 15. Um, I think Kareem Hunt's going way too low at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. Kevin Stefanski, he runs he runs a lot. It's a run first offense this year. You could see it last year with the Fal or the Vikings because Dalvin Cook, that was his offense. So I mean that's it's a big to fifty pick difference. But who would you rather have? Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt? Nick Chubb. I had Kareem Hunt the first year and then he got kicked out of the league for kicking the girl. So 
I'd rather have a running back that doesn't kick girls and stay in the league when I need him to get points and get me in the goddamn playoffs. I'm going Nick Chubb. Okay. I mean, can, we, then, can uh, we be honest that Nick Chubb was the only thing that – the only offensive player that actually did well last year? Oh, 100%, without a doubt. Fantasy-wise, <laughs> Nick Chubb. He was a Browns. Um, uh, we're going to move on to OBJ and Jarvis Landry now. OBJ is going at 39, while Jarvis Landry is going at 68. I think people keep sleeping on Jarvis Landry. Um, He's a slot guy, and Baker loves to throw the slot. OBJ, I think, is overrated. Um, if you had a pick, Tyler, who would you have? Um, I agree that OBJ is a little bit overrated. Um, I like Landry. I think just more consistent, more reliable receiver. Um, I, to me, it's that simple. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have the – it's more of a just a feeling from, and from what I've seen. I see you shaking your head over there, Alex. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I don't want either of them. Okay. Uh, you never want anybody. No. <laughs> Give me a second. First of all, traded. I'm drinking a white claw for you. Uh, so I'd like you to appreciate that. Uh, I'm also going to agree with you. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield is useless. I think the Browns fucked up. They should have picked Saquon. They definitely fucked up on that. So I'm not picking any Browns receivers. Uh, David uh, Njoku, whatever here, say his name, asked for a trade. I don't think he's going to be around that long. I have the Browns going five and eleven. I'm not on that Browns hype train. I'm done. I'm not picking eight because I I picked uh, I picked David as a tight my tight end one last year and he played one game and then broke his thumb or some shit and I was fucked. <laughs> so, I'm, pulling the, I'm pulling the Eric move and if they fuck me over in fantasy, I hate him forever. Uh, so I'm out on him. I'm out on the Browns. Baker Mayfield is a joke. He's not going to last very long. I'm done. I'm not, I don't want any of them. I'd rather pick any of those Broncos wide receivers we talked about last week. Okay, very cool. Moving on to the Steelers. In 2019, they were 8-8. Eight and eight. It's kind of amazing how they're a 500 team with the carousel and terrible play at quarterback. They even they used the Wildcat more than any other team just because their quarterbacks were that bad. Um, Mike Tomlin's a coach. He's a great coach. He's never finished. He's never had a losing record in his 13 years of coaching. Uh, their biggest weakness is their offensive line. They lost Javon Hargrave and B.J. Finney, but they picked up Chase Claypool and Alex Highsmith in the draft. They added Derek Watt, which is cool because now Derek gets to play with his brother, and they even uh, added Stephen Wisnowski from the Chiefs for two years. Oh, and Eric Ebron from the Colts. He hasn't done much the last couple of years, but he's a damn good – if he's in the end zone, he's going to catch all those touchdowns. So I predict that the Steelers are going to go 10-6. and six. I think it's going to be a huge bounce back here for that offense with Big Ben back. The O-line is still one of the best and most consistent in the league. I think Jay, or Juju and James Conn will have a way better big bend back at quarterback. He's the key to the system, which we saw last year, and like the insufficiencies of the Steelers' offense without him. The biggest question mark on this offense is James Conn and his health. Um, the defense is essentially the same as last year, which means the production will be close to the same, if not better. The D-line is still the best in football, without a doubt. And I expect to see Devin Bush, the middle linebacker, to get better as he gains confidence. Um, let's start with Eric. What do you think? What, are, what how are they going to finish? Uh, I got the Steelers at six and ten. Wow! Because okay. fuck those guys. Nobody <laughs> likes them. Nobody wants them to win. Big Ben is too old, too weak, too late. Rudolph don't got it, and neither does Hodges. Even though I like his last name because it kind of is like mine, but I just I think Big Ben is he's had his run. He's old. He's injury prone. I don't think they got it. I don't think they're going to do as well as people think they are. And that's my. Jordan, what do you think? 
Um, you know, I actually disagree. Um, I, I actually <laughs> placed them at uh, 11 and five. Um, okay. I think that their defense has been short up um, with Mika Fitzpatrick. Um, I think that James Conner is, is the type of player to benefit from a Big Ben who, big as we've seen in the past, I think Big, big Ben favors um, their shorter passes, those safer passes. And I think that James Conner, as a, even as a running back, is going to take some of those receiving yards at, you know, he only almost got 500 um, receiving yards last year. So, you know, and along with his rushing yards of almost a thousand, you know, as long as he's healthy, that's back in 2018, I guess. Uh, but as long as he's healthy and Big Ben's healthy, I think that that's a good, good combination. And then you have Juju Smith-Schuster, who's, you know, I think he's fantastic. I know, again, um, these are 2018 numbers, but when you have a healthy, you know, Big Ben, who typically – you know, goes, goes, he, he puts the ball in, in harm, but when, when the ball is, is connected, it, it does well for them. Big Ben is going at 155, QB 17. We talked about him earlier. He's going after Joe Burrow, which is the weirdest thing to me because prior to the last year, he was being, he was, he placed eight or higher for five straight seasons for fantasy football. James Conn is going at 58, running back 21. He didn't play a bunch in the second half of the season last year. Um, going into week eight, he was RB number nine. But then he went up at 54 snaps after the fact. Right now he's going after Melvin Gordon and David Johnson. I think if he stays healthy, he can be a top 15 running back. So I agree with trading there. Uh, Juju, I don't have a lot of confidence in. He's going at 34 right now, wide receiver number 12. He, he did have a tough year last year because the quarterback play was terrible. But I don't know how, he, how he's going to be a quarterback or a wide receiver one. Like he hasn't had that opportunity yet with a good quarterback. And I don't think he'll succeed. In my opinion, he's more of a slot guy, not a wide receiver, wide receiver one. Tyler, what do you think? Um, I think Juju's going to do well. I mean, I think I think a lot of times you see guys that have this talent and they have a rough season and then they bounce back. Um, Big Ben, I think, is going to come in. He's got a, he's a more experienced QB. Um, I think you're going to see Juju's fantasy points rise this season um, just based off a combination, like I said, like a, just an offseason um, and coming in with a Big Ben back at QB1. Um, I don't I don't know if he's going to be you know like a top ten wide receiver, but I think he's going to do better than than last season. Uh, for the Ravens, we'll move on to the Ravens. Ravens now the last team. They were absolutely dominant last year. They were fourteen and two. They had the highest point differential in the NFL with plus two forty nine. Um, they ranked number one in total offense, number three in total defense. They don't really have a weakness to be honest. They're just a complete team all the way through. They lost Hayden Hurst, Brandon Carr, and Michael Pierce, uh, but they did pick up Patrick Queen, the linebacker, and J.K. Dobbins, the running back, in the second round. Uh, they added Clayus Campbell, which we talked about in the first episode, one of the best defensive linemen in the last decade, and Derek Wolf from the Broncos. My prediction is that they go 13-3. and three. They're pretty much going to be the same as last year. Um, I don't think anybody has an answer for this offense and the way it's run. You never know if it's a run or a pass and how to combat Lamar Jackson if he does run it. The only way to do that is to leave a spy, but then if you leave a spy, you're vulnerable to the deep ball or a crossing route. That being said, I think the key to the offense is not Lamar Jackson, but it is the play of the wide receivers. Um, reports have Hollywood Brown chalked up for a breakout record-breaking year. He was hurt last year, the majority of it. And if that happens, this offense just might become unstoppable. Their de- defense take a little, takes a little step back from last year because of their losses, but they did add Calais Campbell, like I mentioned earlier. Um, the reason I say it's, they take a step back is because their linebacker play is composed of now rookies. So these are the guys who are going to put you in the right position and make audible calls on defense. But if they're rookies, they might not have the experience. Alex, what do you think the record will be? 15 and one. Wow. Big time. Tyler, what are you? 
and one. Wow. Do you want me to like explain? I mean, that pretty much says it all right there. Pretty much <laughs> the best game of the season. Doesn't matter what the Super Bowls is, is week three Chiefs Ravens. That's the only, that's the, if I'm, if I'm not an NFL fan and that's the only game I'm going to watch, it's going to be Chief Ravens. Why, like, why else would I watch two young quarterbacks? Like, 15 to 1. They're, I'm looking through their schedule. They're playing garbage teams, 15 and 1. Yeah, they have the easiest strength of schedule in the league right now. Yeah, 15 and 1. Lamar Jackson, baller. Yeah, I, I would love to see 15 and 1, 16 and 0, but I think realistically, I'm going to go 14 and 2. I just think you're 16. a pussy. Yeah, probably. But it, <laughs> long NFL season, you know, just the fact you didn't get win in 15, 16 games, it's just, it's really difficult. But, you know, you never I'm going to call Lamar yeah. Jackson and he's going to come over and his <laughs> balls in your mouth. Okay. Sounds That's good. That's a graphic image. Eric, what do you think? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I got him at 12 and four. Okay. They are going to be good. They're going to win the division. Lamar Jackson's going to show us how important he is once again. They picked up Dobbins, the Ohio State running back. He's going to learn and mimic Mark Ingram. So I just think they need to step it up for the playoffs. Season-wise, they'll be okay. Playoffs, they can't lose to a Ryan Tannehill Titans again, even though it was Derrick Henry just running it down their throats. But, yeah, they're, uh, they'll be good. And, uh, Chayden, what do you think? 14-2. Uh, and two. What, what is of note, what I do find of note is, is their losses, their defense was eaten alive. I mean, in the in, there's minimal losses. There's three, including the playoffs. But they lost. They I mean they gave up 500 yards. That's, I mean, that kind of scares me when you have a when you have a Kansas City who's dominant, and you have a and you have a strong Derrick Henry who, who just you know like like Eric said just ran it down their throats. So, I, you know, I'm not going to say 15 to one. I'm, not, I'm there's no way I can even say 16 and you know 16 and no. With, so uh, moving on to fantasy, Lamar Jackson is going at 14 at QB number two. I've said it time and time again. I think Lamar Jackson should be number one off the board for QB. Um, I think well, yeah. um, Alex agrees with me here. Uh, I think you guys all had Patrick Mahomes ahead of him, except for Alex and me. Yeah. So it, why? Why do you say that? Why would you have Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson? The only reason I have Mahomes ahead of Jackson is just Mahomes has more seasons ahead of Jackson. That's for me. When it comes down to it, they're both great quarterbacks. Um, both top of their game, but for me, I just I look at the body of work, and when I'm trying to do tiebreakers, I'm just saying, okay, Mahomes been, you know, Tyler, Tyler, it takes a man to admit we were wrong, man, we were wrong. Lamar Jackson is number one. I mean, do, doing my doing doing a little bit more research, the the, the motherfucker is faster than any other running back on his fucking squad. He's a fucking QB for Christ's sake. He rushes over a thousand yards and he throws three thousand three thousand passing yards for thirty six touchdowns. The guy has just as many rushing yards as Mark Ingram. Like, he's like, of course he's number one. Yeah, I could have like, got him in. Uh, yeah, I could have got him in fantasy last year for an Antonio Brown trade. And uh, James told me to do it, and I was like, just being a piece of shit about it, and said no. And, you could uh, that's have, what you could have traded Lamar Jackson for Antonio Brown. No, no, I, yeah, I. I well, first you're off, kidding, Mike right? Brown, Mike Brown fucked me over. You're trolling. You listen to this episode. No, he tried to. Tra <laughs> he traded me Antonio Brown for fucking Edelman, which was obviously just a trash trade, anyways. Then I got Antonio Brown. He played that one game for the uh, Patriots, and then Jeremiah was going to trade me Lamar Jackson for Antonio Brown. James told me to do it. I said no. I was being a dick about it. I thought it was gonna, I was going to be right. Yeah, I was wrong. This year, fantasy is a lot different from last place. 
<laughs> We're going to finish up here. Uh, next, we have Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. I think this is going to be more of a timeshare. Mark Ingram's going at 75, while J.K. Dobbins is going at 114. And I think that should be flipped. I think Mark Ingram's going to be hurt the majority of this year. He's getting old. He's getting up there in age. He got hurt last year. He's going to get hurt again. It's going to be the J.K. Dobbins show. Um, moving on to Marquise Brown. He's going at 87 right now. Why does he with 32, which I think is low. Really, really low. I think he has the talent to be wide receiver one, especially with the chemistry he and Lamar Jackson have right now. He should be he should be a top twenty wide receiver, not a not a thirty-two. Jaden, I see you nodding over there. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, seven touchdowns, five hundred. You know, the the numbers are kind of like, are relatively low for a rookie. For any, but he's a rookie season. I mean, seven touchdowns and you know five hundred eighty-four yards. The guy has a ceiling that's huge. And then you have Lamar Jackson who can, you know, put the ball where it needs to be. I I, I think I agree with you on this one. Might be a cheap pick. Else? Yeah, it would be. Alex Tyler, anything to say on that? Uh, yeah, I'd I'd probably I'd I'd put him higher than that. Um, I think okay. he has top fifteen potential. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I I would hope that uh, he would fall a little bit, but he's definitely someone that I'm targeting in fantasy. But I think he has a top fifteen potential for sure. The the one problem is as much as you love Lamar Jackson as your QB one because he gets so many rushing yards his wide receivers will suffer slightly because he does not throw it as often. But like Traden was saying, the connection between Brown and Jackson is super high. So I would give him a bigger bump than what he's being drafted at currently for sure. Okay. Uh, Last we have Mark Andrews, tight end. He's going at 45, tight end number four. And I think that's pretty much where he's going to be. Tight end four sounds right to me. He's going after Erickson before Darren Waller. And I think that's perfect. So that was uh, that was my segment there. Um, I know it's pretty long, but thank you for listening. Thanks, James. All right, when we come back, we had a weekend full of some playoff hockey. Trading is going to break it down for us when we come back. All right, welcome back. We had a uh, full weekend of NHL playoff hockey. It all started coming back. Um, a lot of games. It was a lot of fun to watch. Trade and I know you were, your eyes were glued to the TV all weekend long. Take us through your weekend highlights of the Stanley Cup playoffs so far. All right, guys. It's pretty. Uh, it's it's pretty exciting. I mean, uh, first of all, I want to say that that you know I think I kind of got over the no fan thing really quickly. I think I kind of speak for everyone when I say that it seems pretty normal. The intensity is is up there. It's amazing. Um, I'm actually pretty impressed by the way the NHL has brought this you know before us so that we can enjoy this. Um, with that said, uh, just just going quickly down the row, the round robin um, round robin standings: Colorado has two points, Vegas has two, St. Louis and Dallas both have zero. Then um, I know they don't really matter, but it was pretty interesting. The Colorado won with 0.1 second left on the clock. Crazy, crazy end of the game. Um, as for the qualifiers, you have Arizona and Nashville, one apiece. I think this is a classic, um, you know, one team was stronger than the other on one night and uh, and it kind of flipped the other way. Uh, I still think the Predators are gonna, I think, I think the Predators are actually gonna find their way to, to make it, you know, to complete it in the next couple of games here. Um, we got Flames Jets. Uh, Flames Jets has been kind of uh, a big deal with Shifley getting hurt right off the bat. Um, we have to, we Chuck's have, a rat. Yes, yes. We had the Jets you think that was coach. On purpose? I, I was just going to ask that. So, um, so the Jets coach came out and said that he thought it was intentional 
and disgusting. What did, did you guys happen to see it? What do you guys think? I want like you tried to hurt him. Okay, <clears throat> Eric. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna speak real quick. I full on don't like Ch- Ch- Chuck. I think he's a piece of shit. I'm not a Flames fan. I watched the video. It seemed like his skate kind of bounced a little bit. It. I don't think he did it on purpose, but generally he is. You know, one of the guys yeah. in the league that has is known to be. He hits dirty. He does some dirty plays. So in that instance, I don't think he did it on purpose. Um, from what I've seen, Shifley might kind of be okay. Nothing got torn using a boot or whatever, or like a uh, soft cast or some shit. Uh, if the Jets end up getting through this round, he could, could be okay later on. But I, I think it ends up being more that um, Chuck has this negative reputation. Yes. More than what actually happened. I watched the video like 12 times. I like slowed it down. I was trying to look at it. Um, I know uh, the Jets fans and coaches said like he lifted his skate and was going blade up. Yeah. It doesn't look like that to me personally. That's not how I skate. This, um, this is actually this is actually an instance where slowing it down actually does a disservice to Kachuk and I fucking hate him. Um, the game happens super fast. And and it, this would be, might be an instance where a player is actually looking to 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 get the guy trying to get make that hit, even though you know you missed that hit. So they'll kind of throw out their arm, throw out their leg a little bit to at least make contact to show coach, hey, I tried to get him. I I, I didn't just let him go, and it just kind of was a freak accident. Um, I would say that if this was Johnny Goudreau who did the who did the stabbing, we'll say no one's bad an eye. I mean, you know what I mean? So I think, it, I think it's a reputation thing and I fucking hate Kachuk. I think he is a, I think he is a rat and I will probably say that probably wasn't intentional, but it did let lead to a very um, heated game too, um, which was very fun. The Jets um, were able to tie up the series there, but the flames kind of just took advantage of the injured Jets. Um, Lion A's even was out from game one as well. So um, flames are up uh, two to one on that one. Um, okay, let's go. Oilers won, Blackhawks won. Uh, this one's going to kind of break it down here. Uh, I'll keep it quick, though. 6-4, Blackhawks game one. Game one saw a terrible 5-on-5 performance and PK performance from the fifth-seeded Oilers. They looked like they were the lower-seeded team. To me, I don't think they deserve to even be on the same ice as the Blackhawks or even in the bubble at all. Um, McDavid did open the scoring um, on um, for the whole series uh, early into the game, but he pretty much shit the bed after that on a 5-on-5 perspective. I was pretty disappointed, and I said that to, to you guys. You guys were there. Um, some notables. I'm so I can my life. Yeah. Some, some notables. Uh, Kubalik, a rookie, um, with scored five points himself. Um, and that top line, led by Taze, was absolutely amazing. Um, they, they really led the whole game and, and dominated the game. What do you guys – you guys were there when we saw it. What do you guys think? Jonathan Taze, the guy that we didn't want to perform well, we thought he was too old. We thought he was done. He proved us wrong. He fucking put the team on his back that game, especially game one. Last night, he didn't do that bad. He didn't do like he did in game one. So that's good to see that he's not just on fire. If you're an Oilers fan, you're happy to see that he didn't do that again because if he did, it might be a quick series. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Oilers – Thank God made a statement last night to show like they're not going out without a fight. So I think we're going to get five games. Hopefully the Blackhawks lose. What do you think, boys? Uh, Tyler? Uh, I'll go right now. That's cool. Um, I think this is a classic um, example of overconfidence. 
Um, I think the Oilers went in there thinking like, hey, man, we're supposed to be in the playoffs anyway. Like, this ain't going to be hard. We'll just go on there, show up, do our thing, and be good. And they're, it was a good shot in the arm. I mean, you should be happy that it happened this early. If this happened yeah. later, you'd be more concerned. Yeah. I don't think it's going to go five games. I think the Oilers got the wake-up call they needed, and I think it's going to go four. They're going to win out from this point forward. That's what I see. Yeah, the, the Oilers have been known to throw their sticks on the ice and think that the, the sticks will win the, the game, and that doesn't always happen. <laughs> Alex, Tyler, what do you guys think? Yeah, man. I mean, it's it was amazing to watch you and your dad just be super psyched watching that game, standing up, not even sitting down. And then within, I don't know, was it, seven minutes, you guys are both sitting down, drinking, just being like, fuck. Um, but, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what the, what's what happened, man. That, that, that's yeah. why I love playoff hockey because a 12 seed can beat up on a five seed any given day. Absolutely. If the five doesn't show up and play their heart out, which I believe was what happened in game one. Obviously, they, they rebounded and played pretty well in game two. But this is this is playoff this is playoffs this is sports this is why we love it anything can happen um, it's just kind of the way the, the puck bounces and like you said sometimes it's just about effort and in hockey it's what it's what team plays harder the Blackhawks absolutely held the Oilers game one but I don't I don't know if it'll be in four I think the Blackhawks got some fight in them I think they got some some confidence from that game one um, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens I'm definitely intrigued because I know we we were all like Oilers are gonna sweep. There was no yep. one. And now we're like, oh shit, maybe not. So well, I I thought that the the Blackhawks would win one, but did anybody here actually think that McDavid would would stand for a loss like that again? Because boy, oh boy, he didn't. He came out fire, on fucking fire. He he uh he, he put on a performance that reminded us of why Owner. he's here on, on the on the on the planet. Um, he scored 19 seconds into the game before then put before then turning on the Jets a rounder defender going like way too fast in a school zone. Um, you know, typical McDavid goal. Um, Patrick Kane did tally to, to, to um, you know, in the middle of that first period. Tyler Ennis then of the Oilers scored to, to bring them back up to their two-goal lead. And then the Oilers kind of regressed a little bit, let a couple goals in. And then it was McDavid who got his hat trick, his first um, playoff hat trick. And the, the game pretty much changed from there. We, we became – I had on the ice, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. So actually, interestingly, I'll talk about this in a little bit, but Smechnikov of the Hurricanes scored a hat trick earlier that day, and he they put hats in his little stall, and I think the NHL made a quick call down to Edmonton and said, hey, guys, you need to make sure that if something happens, you guys have hats to throw on the ice. So there's a girl part of the NHL that was able to throw some hats on, which I think is really cool. Um, going back to the Oilers, um, the Oilers never looked back after his hat trick. They completely dominated the third, like, in ways that we have seen this whole season. Um, fourth liners, James Neal and Alex Chason both chipped in for uh, a goal piece, 40 seconds within each other, just based on their grit, based on their speed. I, you know, it, it was something that made me feel better about the Oilers. And I think that, you know, going back to what you guys had said, I think that they're going to have a way to, to reel it back in. And, uh, you know, I, I can see this going to five if the, Black, if the Blackhawks can, can muster, up a, muster up a way to beat Koskinen. Um, consi- more consistently and beat our top guys better. But if our top guys are going to outplay their top guys, it's going to, I mean, Leon, Leon and McDavid will completely shred you if you let them. Um, anybody have anything more point, Mama? Yeah, I got, uh, after watching that first game, I know the final score was six to four. Um, Edmonton looked like they were a peewee hockey team. and. Yes. Chicago looked like the uh, Iceland team that they played in the Mighty Ducks uh, <laughs> uh, movies. I might 
I might switch my build. Uh, you know, Kane has an hold image. On, hold on, hold on. You're going to switch before you even watch the second game? Traded. I fucking told you already. I'm on vacation. <laughs> no, 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 no. I get it. So how can you make that call if you haven't even seen the second game? Oh, well, because Patrick Kane is American, so I already love him more than Connor McDavid. Uh, I will. I'm going to switch. Honestly, it's at the point where I kind of want the Blackhawks to win because I want to see you cry. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> fighting words. That's but, fair. Uh, I think it's funny. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. I'll give you. I'll take that. I, I think if All we right. come back next next week and the but you know what's gonna you know what's gonna fucking happen is somehow we talked about this when the draft lottery happened and the black somehow the Oilers will lose, but they'll skill they'll still get the number one overall pick. And then everyone will hate the Oilers, and then we're gonna hate you, and we're gonna have to put you on mute again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, yeah, I'm really that's that's really I, what I'm worried about. You guys, I still, I, I generally still believe the Oilers are a better team. Um, looking at the last uh, series, we have the Wild up one to the Nux zero, but right now, 17 minutes left in the second, and it's one one. No, it's two one. Can I oh, just score? I'm just about it's to get a goal and. It's going to come in like five seconds. Um, the, the, so I guess I'm stupid. I, uh, the Wild must be stupid. They played Staylock. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, you got a 28 save shutout? Oh, oh, okay. Okay, I'm the stupid one. Yeah, what's that kid's name on Instagram who thought I was fucking stupid? Yeah, fuck you, kid. Um, Dude, is on one right now. I love like, it. I think his mommy I, just tucked you know, him I, I, That's all I had to say about that one. I hope that kid's listening because fuck you, kid. Um, uh, okay, moving on to the East. Uh, looking at the round, Robin. Um, Tampa Bay is up, has two points. Philly has two points. Washington has one, and Boston has zero. The Tampa and Washington series was a was a good OT game. Um, I mean, I would say that those two are the best two teams in the league right now. Um, I don't know if anybody would disagree with me on that. Um, it's pretty clear. Um, both of those teams, I would, I would say, are going to win the Stanley Cup at this point. Um, okay, looking at the qualifiers, we have the Islanders up two to the Panthers zero. Um, Look, guys, the Islanders are just that team that just smothers you. Um, they have the, – the Panthers are frustrated. They have nowhere to go. Um, the Islanders are playing that that very low event, boring, frustrating, slow play. They eat up the middle of the ice. They just completely wear you down. It's very boring to watch. You you, you can hear it from everybody. It wasn't a fun game, game one to watch. Game two is a little bit better. But it's very effective. And if anybody from Chapman Hockey, all you boys and girls who I coach, who are listening to this podcast, please watch the Islanders play hockey. It is exactly what I'm trying to get you guys to do because it's effective. It gets the job done. Okay? Okay. Uh, anybody have anything to say about the Islanders-Panthers? Bobrovsky is shitting the bed. You were actually right about that. Imagine that. Um, um, Maple Leafs Blue Jackets. Okay, so does anybody think it's okay that you pay $40, $40 million between four Dynamite players and they don't score a goal in 60 minutes? No? Okay. Against, against a backup goalie, theoretically? Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, yeah, they, uh, the Blue Jackets won a very you know, low-scoring game, 2-0, against the Maple Leafs. Um, and again, the Leafs could not figure out really anything. They couldn't figure out Corpus Allo, um, the first game. Um, I think that was... Kind of just it. Um, I think that the Blue Jackets are going to run the run the Leafs over in that forechecking, you know, manner, and they did in the first game. 
Um, and then the second game was a little bit different. Matthews kind of opened up the scoring. Um, then the Leafs decided to come to play. And this is typical Leafs. They have a bad game. They get shit on by their sports net, um, you know, guys who suck their dicks all the time. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we need to play a game or two. They're going to play great two games of hockey, and then they're going to go revert to their old shit again. Does anybody have anything to say about this series? How about uh, Matthews post game? That do, did you see him? The reporter who exposed that he had COVID asked oh, him a I question didn't. right after they just got shut out. And uh, the guy, right when the guy starts talking, he's just looking away the whole time, doesn't even look at the guy, and goes, "Yeah, it's a shame you asked me that question. You know, you already released information I didn't want you to release, so uh, I don't really have an answer for you. Next question." Yeah, <laughs> just fucking pigeon toss the guy. No, yeah, that. Um... It's interesting. We, I mean, I'm, you guys know um, America has HIPAA, and that is something that the NHL is t- taking very seriously. And if a player does not want to be, does not want people to know that they had COVID, they aren't, they don't disclose it. And apparently, this I don't know if this could be a violation or anything, but that is that is very interesting. Um, did anybody have anything else about this series? Anybody give a shit about the series? I think the Leafs are in trouble. Uh, Seth Jones is fucking dynamite. He is. Line clappers. He's he's due for some goals. Uh, I don't think the Leafs are going to get past the Jackets. Uh, Hurricanes have just bring out the brooms. Brought uh, uh swept the Rangers <laughs> out of the bubble. No more bubble hockey for the Rangers. You guys can leave the bubble and never come back. Um, I mean, the Hurricanes have just been a hurricane. I mean, <laughs> I mean they they ran over the Rangers, in my opinion. Um, I think that, I mean, I feel bad for, uh, for Hank. Um, I think that he, he hasn't won what he deserves to win. I think he deserves, I think he's going to go down as one of the best goalies to, to ever not win a cup. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Rangers are done. What do you guys think? I think you were wrong. Rangers, obviously. I was wrong. You said the uh, Hurricanes would have trouble with the goalies. They've been pretty phenomenal. Reimer stood on his head tonight. And, um, yeah, they just – What does that mean? It's, it's a statement that just says that the goalie was playing out of his mind. Um, okay. Like, it's hard to explain. He was so good, he played upside down. Yeah. One. Yeah. yeah. His legs became his arms. On the ice and his feet were up, up, up top. Um, it was pretty cool to see a fight so early into the game in game one in bubble hockey format and in this in – this in this COVID life, um, Williams, former King and, and Strom, former Oiler just duped it out. It's, it's pretty great. Um, but yeah, um, Svechnikov scored the first hat trick in bubble hockey history hours before McDavid did. Um, yeah. When they brought out the brooms, uh, bye-bye Rangers. Um, last series, which is in my opinion, the most intriguing to be honest with you. Um, the Habs and the Can- and the pens are one apiece. The Habs won an OT against the uh, against the Pens, and oh, look at this! Carey Price makes thirty nine saves to lift his team over the Penguins in Game One. Oh, look at this! Carey Price has an amazing 35, uh, 35 save game uh, in Game Two. Um, looks like he is the most important player on the on the Canadians, and he is going to help them through this series. Um, anybody have anything to say about this series? I told you, Carey Price is good. Yeah, I mean, it's another one of those, you know, 12, 12 versus 5, you know, game one coming out. I mean, any team can beat anybody at any moment. And yeah. uh, this is a similar series to the Blackhawks Oilers. Canadians, you know, b- behind Carey Price. Who knows, man? It can happen. It's tied 1-1. Sure. It's a best of three from here on out. 
We'll see, man. So, I, so, so, why you love? Who do you think is gonna win? I'm I'm gonna go with an upset on this one. I think Habs are gonna win this one because interesting because of Carey Price. And, and and here's just going off just going off of that. Um, some a few notables. Jeff Petrie, former Oiler, was the hero in overtime. Unlikely hero too. Um, young guns, Jess Berry, Kakeniemi, and Nick Suzuki came in came in strong game one. Um, here's what's very interesting to me. The Penguins only converted one of seven power play opportunities in game one and failed to score on one five on three and extended five on three in game one and then failed to, to score on another five on three last game because Carey Price has just been killing it, guys. Um, I got to be honest, I'm worried for the Pens here. I think, I think that game one was a smack in the face. And I think game two, I think that they're happy that it didn't – I mean, it was a 3-1 game. I think that they're happy that it wasn't closer than that. I mean, I, I think that this Habs team is going to fight tooth and nail for this game, for this for this series, which is interesting because I think a lot of people believe that the Canadians are the best team for Alexi Lafreniere to go to. Um, he'd be going home. He'd be going to, um, you know, French Canada where he, where he was born and grew up. And um, – so I, I think it's I think the Habs are giving the Pens a run for their money, and I think it's very very intriguing. What do you guys any any other comments on the hockey? What do you guys think about the games? Like, what do you think? Of, what do you think about the the viewership and everything? Oh, I love it, man! Like, I think this is fantastic. And I'm the one knock I have is the camera angles because the one just on center eye sometimes you don't get to see the entire thing. I'm not a fan yeah. of that at all. Yeah. And, but I think I did a really I think they did a good job with the uh, with all the screens around the entire place and like the crowd noise that you can hear from us sitting at home they did a good job with that and i think the games are super exciting i've never watched so much hockey before in my life and it's on all the time it's literally on at like nine o'clock i love it yeah that's the best part you wake up and pretty much there's a game going right then and there and then from that point it goes all the way until like nighttime so you got hockey all day for like five days in a row at least yes sir well i hope you guys don't get too bored of uh me talking about hockey for the next week after week uh, i'm pretty much going to be doing this for the rest of the playoffs so guy. get used to it and right. that's all i got thanks Traden. uh that will conclude our hockey segment this week uh when we're coming back eric is going to take us to the pga and discuss the first major tournament of 2020 All right, guys, welcome back. Um, Eric is going to take us to the links. We're talking golf. Eric, take it away. Hello, everybody. Uh, this weekend, the first major golf tournament yeah, baby. of the season. This is an actually important tournament to actually watch. It is the PGA Championship uh, major tournament. It is taking place at the TPC Harding Park in San Francisco. This will be the first time ever that the PGA Championship tournament is held there. Awesome. Uh, it's San Francisco, so you know right away the weather can change in an instant. There's going to be fog. There's going to be mist. That gloomy gray uh, San Francisco weather. There's lots of big green hills and probably lots of trees. You don't want to hit them at those unless it's on the fairway, of course. But um, defending champion last year, Brooks Kepka, who is finally starting to play some good golf again. He was actually – took, he took second place last week um 
Kepka will be paired with Woodland and Shane Lowry. And all three of these guys won the major tournaments last year. Kepka won two, Gary Woodland won one, and Shane Lowry won one as well. They're going to be the first to tee off. Um, another notable tee-off group, Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, and Justin Thomas, mm-hmm. all paired in the same group Thursday, teeing off at 1130. It's going to be a little different than Tyler, Traden, and James paired together. Um, <laughs> these three guys have won the PGA Championship majors in the past. So, you know, there'd be a little more uh, skill level than uh, a Sunday at Willow Wick. But um, <laughs> other notables – of course, you know, it's golf. I got to talk about my boy, D. Shambeau. Oh, God. He's teeing off at 4.47 p.m. So there's no red ends. <laughs> this is just a classic time uh, for that guy. 4.47 p.m. on Thursday. It sounds like a, a specific and calculated time. They call him the scientist. That's what he is. I'm interested to see if he makes the cut because he's been up and down since our first episode ever when I talked about him. He did win a random tournament, and then he also just did terrible. <laughs> and um, James tweeted it and tagged me in and everything. Mentioned my full Paul. name. Yeah. Eric Hodgson. Yeah. Um, Ricky Fowler will be paired in sure. DeChambeau's group. He's shown signs of good golf uh, recently, but last week away on the back nine, he trashed it on Sunday, kind of like I do on the regular. That's why I need to go get a golf lesson. Uh, but Ricky needs a major win. He hasn't had one before. He's been close, but no cigar quite yet. John Rahm uh, was the number one golfer in the world last week and then immediately went to shitting the bed style in that last tournament and uh, didn't make the cut. Already dropped out of being the number one golfer in the world. Justin Thomas took that back over. You know John Rahm's going to come with some vengeance. Philly Phil Mickelson. Yes, sir. Older guy, proved himself before. Crafty veteran. It'd be nice to see him pull off a major. Uh, it's been a while. And he's a big short game guy. So am I sometimes when my head is actually pulled out of my ass and I'm actually focused. And you're not hungover. Yeah. Yeah. That, Except that's randomly, I did good on that first hold. But anyway. That was pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, last notable mention, Tony Finau. He's the guy who had the crazy hole-in-one last year in the Masters practice round. You then saw him celebrate and uh, jump up where he then dislocated his ankle, uh, which he then snapped back into place on his own. Um, sim- he's similar to Ricky Fowler, where he's been close multiple times to winning a major. He can't quite finish. He's kind of like Tyler at the Bear and Chico talking to girls. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tony Finau, Tony Finau has so many first place. I think he has the most first pl- – I'm sorry, top ten finishes without a win. Yeah. And these last few – I think he's going to take first place, right? I'll take, Ooh. dude. He's taking it off yeah. first place. I was just going to tell you now. some Vegas odds. Uh, Justin Thomas is plus nine hundred. Um, Brooks Kepka plus eleven hundred. Rory plus fifteen hundred. Bryson DeChambeau plus fifteen hundred. John Rahm plus fifteen hundred. Tiger Woods plus thirty three hundred. Um, Tiger is also thirty three and one on this course uh, oh. as far as winning tournaments. So. What is a win? That's like a lot first of place or is it top Yeah, eight? a win is yeah. a win. First oh. place. He's been 33 times first place on this course. So, 33 and two now. Um, I don't have him making the top 10 <laughs> because <laughs> golf, golf is extremely tough to predict. So, my top 10 guys, I, I in no order, but I have Kepka, DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, Rom, Finau, Dustin Johnson, 
Yes, sir. McElroy, Webb Simpson, Matthew Wolf, who's got that crazy little tweak and balance in it before his swing. I'll send it to you guys later. It's insane looking. And I have Abraham Answer as a dark horse to make the top Ooh. six. I that I had in uh, our DraftKings randomly, and he won me, I think, that DraftKings that weekend. So, you know, he wins one time for me. I think he's going to be in the top ten in a major tournament. Uh, who will not make the cut? Again, extremely tough to predict. Bubba Watson, Adam Scott, Sergio Garcia, Ricky Fowler will not make it. Phil. The cut? Ty, yeah, they, they're not going to make the cut. Wow. Phil Mickelson <laughs> won't make the cut. <laughs> and Gary Woodland won't make the cut. And it, I know that's extremely tough to predict, but it, one of those guys isn't going to make the cut. Come on now. Um, and lastly, some notable holes. Uh, hole four is par five, 606 yards. I think DeChambeau and Kepka are going to be okay on that hole because they drive it like 350 plus as long as they hit it straight. Uh, hole nine is similar. It's a par five, 525 yards. So, again, going off those guys who have the good drivers, the good uh, three wheels, they'll be okay. Um, and then two other holes that are notable. Hole 11 is a par three, 200 yards. That's kind of tricky. That's like, a, you know, for some guys, a seven iron. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe seven like iron. I mean, two hundred yards, seven iron. Holy fuck! Yeah, that's true. You that's know, my driver. Like a four. Yeah, maybe that's like a four, like a four wood or a three wood. Um, but that's just tricky, you know. Like that's one that the guys either going to hit it super hard over or just not near it at all. And then hole seventeen, the last notable hole, par three, one hundred seventy-five yards. Maybe that's more of the seven iron range. Yeah. But uh, think about like hole in these major tournaments. You always have like hole seventeen. Two to three guys are tied. I mean, you have like a par three like that. Someone's going to fuck it up. And and like it's, it's usually like a guy is paired with another guy and they're tied. Yeah. And someone fucks it up, and then you get to the last hole, and then that person just solidifies the deal. So, those are the notable holes. Um, I don't know, uh, James. We definitely need to do a DraftKings on Sunday, yes, sir. Um, but trading, you got any um, inside input on? Yeah, dude. But- um, look, Brooksy, I'm I'm going for Brooksy. I, I really want him to win. Uh, here's why. Um, he he hadn't broke seventy in six consecutive rounds going into last week's tournament. Um, including get, scoring an 80 in the final 18 at Memorial. That's not very good. Um, he made, he did make a huge splash last week, as we, as you mentioned, um, he did have a b- few bad first holes in that last round, but he really swung it back and brought, and brought himself almost in, cha- almost up there to, to contend with, with uh, Thomas. But this weekend is something, is something huge for Brooks Kepka. Um, he is going for something we haven't seen since 1956. Um, a golfer winning the same three major, same major three years in a row. Um, that hasn't happened. Uh, and the last time that only happened and the last and only time that's happened for the PGA championship specifically was Walter Hagen back in 1927. So this is something Tiger hasn't done. This is something, um, um, Nicholas hasn't done. This is something that's huge and he hasn't, and history will tell us that he won't do it, but we know that Brooks Kepka champion or uh, i'm sorry major playing brooks kepka is something solid else. yeah um and i think he's going to do everything he can to be in that company because that company you know walter hagen is one is is a, is a legend um so that's going to be he's going to fight for that bryson dechambeau i mean he's the long ball guy this year um he's also scared of fire ants and he's going to live till he's 130 years old <laughs> who would have thought? 140 140 oh excuse me 
Um, he, he reminds me, okay, so this is kind of a quote from, uh, from one of my favorite golf movies. He's kind of been the talk of the tour all season. He has those long drives and the bizarre behavior. That's, he's kind of happy Gilmore this year. I mean, he, he is. I mean, he's kind of weird. He's kind of getting in camera people's faces. He's kind of yeah, like he out is, of there. He really but is. he's also driving the ball 450 yards. <laughs> so it's the same. Right. It's, it's, it's happy Gilmore in, our, in, our, in, our, uh, in real life. Um, Justin Thomas is ranked first in the FedEx Cup. This, this ch- championship is worth 600 points in the FedEx Cup race. So it's a big deal for a lot of these guys. Um, I'd like to see Jordan Spieth get in there. Um, I, I, he's been playing better. He just has blow poles every now and then. Um, and DJ shaved his beard. He looks, he looks like he's ready to play, but dude, did he just do that recently? He looks like a straight weirdo. He does look like a weirdo and, but he did play better golf this past week. So maybe it was kind of weighing him down. Um, (laughs) His back did hurt. Maybe it was the beard. I will say that Brooks has been battling a bad knee injury from last year and his MRI shows no sign of improvement. So literally he's like a swing away from full death, not death, but leg death. So we'll see what, we'll see what, uh, see if he can muster up the courage. Did you see how much money the first place winner gets? Sorry, I just interrupted you, but go for it. $15 million to win a golf tournament. Back up the truck boys. That's why. I know Alex isn't listening. Maybe he is, but that's why golf is important. If you're good at it, you can make $15 million in one weekend. So it's pretty cool. You just got to be good at it. It's better than Connor McDavid printing, you know, 12 and a half million in one year. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, James, what do you got? Dude, I'm just excited to watch my golf, man. Yeah. I think Tony Fino is going to take it. Um, Tiger Woods is going to make the cut. I don't know. You said he's not going to make the cut. Is that what you said? Did I say that? Yeah, that might have been a dumb thing to say. Because then, then I saw he's thirty-three and one on this course. So uh, yeah, um, no, not a. He's gonna make the cut. That was stupid. I want him to make the cut. <laughs> I just the last, his last showing was real bad, but that wasn't a major. And like Tradem was saying, Kepka, like when he shows up, he shows up in majors. So does Tiger. Tiger's oh. the king of that. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what happens um, with the majors. Here's, here's my kind of opinion with golf and watching golf. Like, I've never really ever watched golf in my life. I'm, I respect the fuck of those athletes. I love playing it. I love losing two stroke leads to trading with, with two holes left. I love <laughs> one of my favorite things to do, like playing golf on the golf course with my friends, one of my favorite things. I love playing it. But I just can't get myself to sit and watch golf for more than 20 minutes. Um, but I, but I, lo- I want to know who wins. I love, no, I love Tiger. He's one of my favorite athletes of, of, of all time. I'm, I'm going to want him to win. He's my boy. But, um, yeah, as far, I'm definitely not going to be watching it. I just don't watch golf. Dude, for- on Sunday, like. But here's the thing. We, we, have, we have baseballs back. We have playoff basketball. We have playoff hockey. Like, I'm watching yeah, that. That's yeah, no. Not, I'm not turning I, you're right. I just, that's just, that's just my. No, opinion. you're right. What I'm saying is Sunday at, like, 1 o'clock. I will turn on Sports Center and maybe it's like on, one or two. And then go to, yeah, go to yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be on channel I'll, like two. Definitely, I definitely want to know who wins. Like I'm, I'm I, yeah. Knowing but, what happens, I just I'm not going to be watching. Yeah, at that point, you may see like hole fifteen through eighteen, three holes, and yeah. that is usually like just straight competitive, the I'll most mental, craziest shit ever. And it's like thirty minutes worth of watching, and that's all you need to watch for golf on a Sunday. Maybe for you, Eric, I will watch thirty minutes. Eric, he's not gonna watch it, man. Just stop trying. Who did the Dodgers even play that day? Probably like the Pittsburgh Pirates (laughs) or something. Like, 
<laughs> I'd rather watch the Dodgers play the Marlins than watch golf on Sunday. I'm sorry. That's the Marlins are the Marlins? Back, are the Marlins back? They're they're back. Didn't another team back. test positive, though? Back, baby. Yeah, Cardinals. the Cardinals. They're not playing the Marlins this season, but you get my fucking point. One? No, it was 3-1. Wait, what happened? Is it 4-1? Oh, I, I see Stalag just cringing on his head right yes, now. Yes, yeah, I guess I'm an idiot. I think it's it's 3-1. As I say that, Stalag lets in three fucking goals. Um, Trayden, you're going to be gone this weekend, huh? But James, let's watch that on Sunday. It'll be some yeah, good watching. We'll watch all the other sure. sports too, but we'll watch that for sure. All right, boys. Make it happen. We're obviously excited. we got a lot of sports coming back. We're talking about a lot of stuff. It's been very a very exciting week and we got tons of months and weeks more to come thanks for listening to episode seven of tldr check out our new website tldrpodcast.net follow us on twitter on instagram at tldr podcast look out for new hats new merchandise giveaways that are coming up uh, we also have a youtube page that i know not a lot of people watch or listen to but let's get some more views let's get some some subscribe buttons on there hit hit subscribe hit like um we're we're on youtube too so you can listen to it and see our ugly mugs at the same time best of best of both worlds all right guys we will see you next week for episode eight have a good week